0: Psalm 51. I don't know about the rest of you guys, if you've never read Psalm 51, then praise the Lord, I I think you're in for a treat today. It is one of my uh, favorite psalms. It is a psalm that uh, I feel like that I can relate to. I feel like that we all can relate to. Um, I think I may have even preached a verse or two from Psalm 51. Maybe when we first started doing this, it's been ever how many months ago, over a year ago. But if you're like me, you forget stuff, and you got to go back and read it again. So I just yesterday I was kind of stressed about some stuff. Yesterday afternoon I opened up my Bible. I just opened it up, and right there was Psalm 51. That's what it opened up to, and I read it. And you said, I, "I said, you know what? I'm going to preach on this today while we're here. So uh, we're going to be in Psalm uh, 51 this morning, and we are, Lord willing, we're going to make it through all 19 verses." We're going to attempt to go through every bit of it, a verse or two at a time. I think we can do it, though. I think we can make it. We'll start in verse 1. I'm going to pray, and then we'll dig into the text. God, I come to you this morning. I thank you for a packed house. I thank you for a free country and for a group of people that are willing to come on a Tuesday, dear Lord, Tuesday morning in the middle of July just to come and worship you. And so I pray, God, that right now that you would hide me behind the cross, that your words would be uh, helpful to us, God, that your word would be effective in our life, that it would transform us. God, I pray that I would preach and teach in a way this morning that would be uh, beneficial to each one of us here, that it would be uh, for our good, dear Lord, that it's not just the words that I say, God, but it's your word. And even if people don't hear what I say, that they read what your word says and that the Holy Spirit would lead them to... Uh, Your Word for correction and for comfort and for encouragement and for joy. And so I pray that we find all those things in Your Word today. In Jesus' name I ask it. Amen. 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 Now Psalm 51 is a psalm of David and some of these psalms have an inscription, uh, most of your Bibles probably have that inscription, it's kind of to, to who it was written by, what it was written for, and so that's a good thing about the Psalms is that some of them we kind of know exactly what was going on at that time, and this is one that we know uh, what was going on at the time. Now, there's a guy in the Bible, his name is David, now maybe you have heard of David or maybe you have not heard of David, but David was the second king of God's chosen people, Israel. Now, Saul was the first king, and he didn't do right in God's eyes, and so God called another. God called one after his own heart, and his name was David. He was uh, the youngest son of Jesse, and he was a shepherd. Now, David was the same one that went out and, and slayed Goliath. Maybe you've heard that story of uh, David and Goliath. And so David uh, knew at an earlier age that he was going to be king, but it wasn't until some time after that that he actually took over the role of being king. So here you have David, a man who, if you read back in the Old Testament, a man who had faith in God. He became king over the nation of Israel, and God had blessed him tremendously. God God had blessed uh, David. God was with David. But David messed up. And I say messed up because that sounds better than sin, right? Mm -hmm. We say that sometimes. Oh, I messed up. Well, we sin. (laughs) And that's exactly what David did. Now, here you have David who is... Clearly a man of God. He knew right from wrong. And one day he saw a woman bathing on the roof. Her name was Bathsheba. And he said, I want that woman. And he went to be with that woman. And she ended up getting pregnant. Her husband Uriah was was part of the the military. And David knew he had done messed up. Here he had done got another woman pregnant. And so he had to come up with this plan to figure out how to get rid of Uriah. Because he's been off to battle. How could his wife be pregnant. So he comes up with these couple of ideas to try to get Uriah home, but Uriah is a faithful soldier. He says, look, I'm not going to go home and be with my wife while the rest of my uh, 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 friends are out there fighting. I'm paraphrasing. You can go back and read this in the Old Testament for yourself. I would encourage you to do so. And and David finally came up with this plan that he was going to put Uriah on on the fiercest front lines to make sure that he would get killed. So that's exactly what David did. So David's got a problem because now he's committed adultery and also the Bible would say that he's guilty of murder even though he might not have been the one with his hand to uh, kill Uriah, God says that it is David who is guilty of the murder of Uriah. Now, how many of you guys in your life have ever done something, I'm talking about sin big time, that it just broke your heart? that you just felt so ashamed, that you just felt so guilty, that you felt so broken, that you felt, how could I ever be forgiven? How could this person or that person forgive me for what I have done? How could God ever forgive me? Have any of us ever been just totally broken because of our sinfulness? I would say that most of us, if not all of us, have. I know I've had because I... Because I have done some some bone-headed things in my life, right? I've done some stuff. And see, here's the thing. And I knew it was wrong. I knew that wasn't what God wanted in my life. And I did it anyway. And I wish I could say I don't ever do that. But even still sometimes, I do that. And I don't desire to do that, but that sin it has a it has it, it tries to have this hold on us and Jesus gives us the freedom to break free from that so we don't have to go back into that life of sinfulness but sin is always trying to bring us down and here we have David who had given in to his sin and he was broken and in Psalm fifty one he is crying out to the Lord. He is seeking the Lord. And that's the only place we can go when we're in the middle of our sinfulness and need. For forgiveness is the Lord. There's nowhere else we can go. We can't drink our problems away. We can't drug our problems away. We can't uh, just get caught up with anything else that may be. To to get our mind off of our sinfulness. That's going to make it better. There's nothing that we can do. That is going to correct our sinfulness. There may be some things that we can do. That's going to get our mind off of it. But there's nothing that we can do. That's going to wipe away our sinfulness. And cast our sins as far as the east is to the west, except for forgiveness through Jesus Christ. Amen. And so, David, boy, that was just the introduction. You guys <laughs> may be here a while today, because this, this, this is one of my favorite favorite uh, chapters, so I might preach for a long time, but that's okay. Y'all are okay with that, I know. Amen. All right, uh, verse 1. Be gracious to me, God, according to your faithful love according to your abundant compassion. Now, we can learn a lot from that one little verse right there. Be gracious to me, God. What we see here is that David is asking for grace. Grace is something that he did not deserve, but he was asking that God would give him that mercy, would give him that grace that he didn't deserve. Now, David is making a point to point out that that God is up here and David's down here. David clearly realizes that God is above and he is below and he is a sinful man. And so he knows, David does, that he does not deserve grace because that's what grace is, something we don't deserve. But he's crying out to God in the midst of his sinfulness, in the midst of his struggle, saying, God, forgive me, have grace on me according to your faithful love. David's saying, not because anything I've done, God, you're not going to forgive me because of what I've done, because I done messed up. I done completely did what you told me not to do. I have done sin. I sinned again. I murdered a guy to cover up my first sin, and here I am completely broken. So God, not because of what I have, but because of your faithful love, according to your abundant compassion. Now we serve a compassionate God, praise the Lord, because in all reality... At least for me, God could have struck me down a long time ago. He could have said, look, you're a sinful guy. I didn't give you enough tries and I'm done with you." But we have a God who is a compassionate God and because of His faithful love and because He doesn't desire for any to perish, but to all to come to repentance so that we may have everlasting life through Jesus Christ. He's patient and He's compassionate with us. And so David is calling for God to give him that compassion and to blot out my rebellion, David says. Forgive me for what I've done. Blot it out. Wipe it away. Forgive me for that sin that I have committed. Wash away my guilt and cleanse me from my sin. I don't know about you guys, but I'm going to tell you what. In my life, guilt is a... Boy, guilt will get you down. Because man, when you, when you, when you, when you do something you shouldn't do, and you know you're guilty of it, boy, it just eats away away Now, what David did, even though God was going to forgive him, it didn't mean that David wasn't guilty of what he did. David was very guilty of committing adultery, and he was very guilty of having Uriah murdered. Mm -hmm. But there's forgiveness there. There's forgiveness there. It's not that the consequences of David's sin were taken away, but the forgiveness of sin was still there. And so God takes away the punishment of our guilt. Because here, what happens is, if we commit a crime and we go stand before the judge, the judge says, you are guilty, and here is the sentence. Now for us, our guilt and sinfulness would lead us to an eternity in hell. But God says, you are guilty, but when you come to Jesus Christ and are washed by his blood, it's not that you are not guilty, but the price has been paid, and therefore Jesus took the punishment that you deserve so that you can have the the grace that only he deserved. And that's what God does for us through Jesus. And so here we see David crying out that God would wash him of his guilt and cleanse him from his sin. For I am conscious of my rebellion, and my sin is always before me. Boy, ain't that true? Will we do wrong? Don't that eat away at our conscience? Don't we know? We just can't rest. We can't get our mind off of it because we know we've done wrong and David's going through this same thing. He knows that he's done wrong and his sin is always in his mind. The devil does that for us. Even sins we've been forgiven of, he wants to remind us of how bad we were and what we did. Now, if it's a sin we haven't repented of and given to the Lord, we need to do that. But those sins in the past that we've given to the Lord, God has forgiven us of those things. But David is consciously reminded, constantly reminded of his sinfulness. Verse 4, against you, you alone I have sinned. Notice who he sinned against there. When we sin, it's not against people, it is against God. It's not that David sinned against the people of Israel who he was over. In some sense, he he wasn't a good leader in that way. In in some sense, he sinned against uh, Bathsheba and against um, uh, Uriah, you could say. But what he realized is that the sin that was really committed here was a sin against God. Because that's not what God uh, desired for him to do, and done this evil in your sight, so you are right when you pass sentence. All right, David is acknowledging, I'm guilty. What I deserve is the sentence, is the judgment that you that you that you want to pass that I deserve. That's what I deserve. David's not making up excuses. He's not trying to get out of it. He's asking for grace. He knows he don't deserve to be forgiven of his sinfulness. You are blameless when you judge. David's saying, look, God, you're in control when you judge and you pass in, sentence. it's right. There is no wrong there. Indeed, I was guilty when I was born. I was sinful when my mother conceived me. Surely you desire integrity in the inner self, and you teach me wisdom deep within. Purify me with hyssop, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Well, that's true when God does that. When God makes us clean, it's just not a little clean. When God makes us clean, when we come to Jesus Christ and we are washed with His blood, when God makes us clean, we are washed whiter than snow. And that's what David is saying here. In the midst of my sinfulness, I know I have sinned against you. I know you are right to judge and pass judgment. But instead of giving me what I deserve, God, please give me grace and forgive me of my sin and free me from this guilt. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Turn your face away from my sins and blot out all my guilt. Again, David continuing with this same language. He feels crushed. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Some of you experience that. You just feel crushed because when you're living in sin and you're not doing right, it just you just feel it to your core. Like to your very bones, you just feel crushed in spirit because of your sinfulness. And and David is asking, he wants that joy of the Lord to return. He wants that to be taken away from him. He wants God to turn from him in his anger and restore the joy in his life. To take away that guilt that is burdening him. God, create a clean heart for me and renew a steadfast spirit within me. You see, when we sin, it's something that comes from the heart. When we sin, it's something that comes from the inside. And so what David is saying, Look, God, transform me on the inside. Transform my spirit. Give me a spirit that desires to do your will and will follow through. Convict me of when I'm doing wrong. Give me the heart to do right by you, God. Change my heart and change my attitude so that I can change from these old wicked ways. Do not banish me from your presence. Or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore the joy of your salvation to me. And give me a willing spirit. Boy, that's a good verse right there. Restore the joy of your salvation to me. Now, did David not have a relationship with God because he would sin? Well, absolutely not. God still loved David. David still loved the Lord. But in his sinfulness, he had lost that joy. Because look, this is what it's like. When we are walking in God's uh, commands and we are being obedient to God and doing what God calls us to do, there is a joy that is in our life. We are not easily shaken. The little things that may sometimes get us to to get angry or go off, when we're walking in the joy of the Lord and a good relationship with Him, everything just kind of seems to go good. But when we begin to sin... We just There is this anxiety, there is this anxiousness, there is this burden in our life. And it's not that we have lost our salvation. It's not that we have lost our relationship with the Lord. But we have lost the joy of that because we've allowed sin to take the place of God in our life. Amen. And that's a bad place to be in. Yes, yes. Sometimes we get there as Christians. Yes. But what David is asking is the same thing that maybe sometimes some of us need to ask. And that is, look, God, we need to acknowledge that we are sinners and that we have sinned against God and that we want our joy restored. And that's what David says here. Restore restore the joy of your salvation to me and give me a willing spirit. That is a spirit that is willing to do your work and do your will. Then I will teach the rebellious your ways and sinners will return to you. There you go, another good... Boy, this is such a good song because there are so many good practical applications. And that is, is that when God has forgiven us and restored us from our sinfulness, let us go out and tell others. Let us go out and teach others. Let me tell you what God has done for me. God has given me grace that I don't deserve. Because when we go out and tell people about Jesus Christ and about the grace we've received, it's not because of anything we've done. It's not that we go out and and boast and say, Oh, God has chosen me and chosen to forgive me because I have done such good work and I have given so much money in the offering plate and I have gone to church my whole life. No! That's not why God chose to forgive you and give you grace. God chose to forgive you and give you grace because He loves you and He desires to be with you. And not because of what you've done, but because of what Jesus Christ did on your behalf. And so when we have received that, we can go into the world and say, let me tell you the grace that I've received, and God wants to give you that grace too. And it's not by works, it's by faith. By faith in Jesus Christ. Verse 14, save me from the guilt of bloodshed, God, the God of my salvation. And my tongue will sing of your righteousness. Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. You do not want a sacrifice or I would give it. You are not pleased with a burnt offering. Listen to this. This is good stuff right here. The sacrifice pleasing to God is a broken spirit. God, you will not despise a broken and humble heart. Now those are are two good verses right here. You do not want a sacrifice, or I was given. David realized that there was nothing that he could do in himself that was what God wanted. He could have sacrificed animals. He could have brought offering. He could have done anything he wanted to do. But that's not what God wanted. It wasn't just an outward action that God desired of David, nor is it an outward action that God desires of us. What God desires, what is pleasing to God, the sacrifice pleasing to God, is a broken spirit and a humble heart. That is that we recognize our sinfulness and we humble ourselves before God and say, Look, God, my heart is broken because I have sinned against you. There is just a genuine, just shame and guilt is there, and at that point we realize that we are way down here, and that we're a sinful people, and that God is way up here, and we don't deserve to even have God acknowledge us, but He does. And when we humble ourselves and recognize our sinfulness and where we are and who He is, and when we humble ourselves and have a broken heart, that. Is when we come to the Lord. That is when we find the Lord. And your good pleasure calls Zion to prosper, build the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in righteous sacrifices, whole burnt offerings. Then bulls will be offered on your on your altar. That last verse kind of throws me for a loop. I don't know exactly what David means there, but I think he's asking for a blessings on the whole people that God would continue to bless Jerusalem and then they would continue to go through with the sacrifices and all the things that God requires. And at that point, when they are living in obedience to Him, then those sacrifices will be good sacrifices that God desires. I think what David is saying is we got to get our heart right before we go through the motions. It's not that God doesn't want us to do things and do works, but He wants us to do them with a right heart and a right attitude. And maybe some of us are like David, and our heart is not right because of our sinfulness. Now maybe we haven't committed adultery and killed a man, or maybe we have. I don't know what anybody's done. But whatever our sinfulness is, it is our sinfulness that separates us before God. And no matter how big or how small we want to consider a sin, if that sin is not forgiven by the blood of Jesus Christ, then we are hopeless. So let us learn and follow the example of David. And that is that we acknowledge our sinfulness. We ask for God's grace and forgiveness. And when God gives us that, we take that and we share that with the world so that the world can know about that grace and that we continue to do God's work and that we have that willing spirit to do what God commands us to do and not to continue to live in sinfulness. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this good chapter. We thank you for um, your graciousness to David uh, and to us, dear Lord. We know that sometimes we sin. And God, I'm sure that we all sin way more than we want to. And if there's one in here, dear Lord, that is struggling with sin right now, that they would just seek you. Maybe there's something in their life they need to repent of. There's something they need to give it to you today. I pray that they would do that, dear Lord. That they would humble themselves before you. God, that each one of us would examine our lives so that we would come before you in forgiveness. That you would change our heart and that you would give us a willing spirit. So we thank you, God. In Jesus' name I ask. Amen.